0: This is the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. This is where it all counts. This is why we're here. This is why each one of us is here. And now, here's your host. Welcome back to another edition of the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. I am Paul Pertichese, and thank you for joining me as always. The college all-star circuit is in the books. The Combine is a couple weeks away. And here at Saturday to Sunday, we are deep into the draft evaluation period of the podcast episodes. The next couple of weeks prior to the combine, we will start our tier buster episodes. This is something that we have been doing here at Saturday to Sunday since our first year at this point now, about five, six years ago. And these tiers that we have created are specifically designated for Saturday to Sunday. They kind of morph into lots of different aspects of it in terms of film evaluation, NFL draft projection, fantasy dynasty projection, all kind of morphed into one based on where we have them right now from our film evaluation, where we think they can be drafted where we think they're going to be going in rookie drafts for your dynasty leagues after the NFL draft. Now I I will say though, with this draft class in particular, I think there's going to be more movement within my tiers and within my rankings from now until draft weekend than any year I can remember. I just think there is going to be more movement within tiers And there's going to be ability for some people to potentially be tier jumpers prior to the NFL draft. As I'm still watching more film on these guys, we get the combine, which while some people don't believe it has much merit, I do believe there is some merit. If you know what you're looking for to help break ties, to help maybe see something that we haven't seen to go back to the film. So between the combine you know, and just watching more film, there will be movement within tiers for sure. And then there will be some tier jumpers as well, especially I believe for the running back and tight end positions. I think I could definitely see more movement within those positions than the wide receiver or quarterback position, you know, but we will check in on the tiers and the rankings obviously throughout the other months, of the pre-draft process as well so even after the combine there'll be some movement and I'll update you know I'll keep things updated in the rankings notebook but I'll also share on the podcast as well and then obviously you know before the NFL draft we you know kind of divulge our final rankings our final tiers but even throughout we'll be talking about these guys so much that I'll I'll let the audience and the listeners know who's jumping tiers, who's moving within tiers, and that could be from watching more film when I have time on guys to how they perform at the Combine in certain areas that I'm really looking forward to seeing, especially some of the tight ends. I think some athletic testing is really going to go far in in breaking some ties and helping me rank within the tiers. But tonight we're going to kick off our Tier Busters series with the quarterback position. So first, let me just break down how our tiers are constructed for the quarterback position, and then I will break into the tiers. So we have tier one, a first-round selection in the NFL draft in terms of your dynasty you know, rookie drafts, we think it's a round two dynasty rookie pick in one quarterback leagues or around one dynasty rookie pick for superflex or two quarterback leagues, probably a standard you know twelve team type league. We believe these are considered potential franchise quarterbacks their ETA is either day one. Sometime throughout the first season or definitely by the start of year two in certain situations. We know by now most guys don't sit for most of their rookie year, but every once in a while there's these these ideal situations. You know, think Patrick Mahomes behind Alex Smith, think Trey Lance this year behind a really good San Francisco team. So most of these guys, we think teams are going to draft with the idea that these guys have potential to be franchise quarterbacks starting pretty quickly or throughout their rookie year or at the latest possible scenario, the start of their second season in the NFL. That's our tier one. So let me kind of break down who is in my tier one, and then we'll we'll go back to the breakdown and then I'll share who's in my tier two and so on and so forth. So right now for me in tier one, It is only three players, and that is Matt Corral of Ole Miss, Malik Willis out of Liberty, and Kenny Pickett out of Pittsburgh. Those are the three guys. That's, That's how I currently have them right now. I do think there is some movement capabilities within that tier. I think it's very possible by the time the draft process finishes that I move Malik Willis up to my QB1. And that's just because the traits that he possesses, the ceiling that he possesses, I don't think any of these prospects are clean prospects. I think Corral and Willis have the highest upside. I think of my tier one guys, Pickett is probably the safest guy, but I've been on record of saying I think he's somewhere in that Derek Carr type, you know, stratosphere. And I think that could potentially be a good starter, but I'm not sure he's the kind of guy who I think could be a franchise quarterback, bring him to championship games and Super Bowls. You know, so Pickett, while I think he's the most pro ready of that trio for sure, and he's the oldest and got the most experience. Uh, he would be third in that tier for me. I think he's going to go round one for sure. I think he's got the capability to, I talked about it last week on the senior bowl recap show. I think he's still got the potential to be the first quarterback taken, but I also could see him be the third quarterback taken. I think he's anywhere between the first, second or third. I think a team's going to fall in love with the upside and the intrigue of Malik Willis. And I think Matt Corral right now is a little bit out of sight, out of mind because you know, he wasn't the, he was the only one not at the senior bowl. Obviously, get injured in the bowl game, doesn't seem like it's going to really curtail the pre-draft process for him. But for me, you know, what I like about Corral is his ability, you know, we knew he had the arm talent. We knew he had the athleticism, the mobility, the ability to play off structure, but what he really improved upon, you know, towards the back end of his college career, and this year in particular, is decision-making, you know, understanding when to take risks When to put it into tight windows and when not to, and we really saw him cut down on turnovers and just be a better overall decision maker this year. And I think that is what has helped him increase his draft stock. But Malik Willis is still the wild card because we know the lows, but we also know the highs. Like he's got the most intrigue of anybody. You know, we talked about how ideally he'd be, he'd go somewhere where he probably wouldn't start till mid to late you know, in his rookie year, if not, uh, you know, the start of his second year in an ideal situation or landing spot, which we know those are few and far between. So those are the three guys that make up my tier one. Uh, I don't see Pickett moving his way to the top of that tier. I could see myself flip-flopping between Corral and Willis throughout the pre-draft month as I watch more film, Uh, Those are the guys that I think are going to sit at the top of my rankings at 1-2 in some order, but I do think Pickett deserves to be in that tier one. I think he deserves to go round one. I think he can be a good functional starter. I'm not going to make the same mistake I made last year with Mac Jones. I thought he was more of a tier two guy, but you know what? He was very solid. I think he might have more upside than I thought. But in the NFL, if if you could have a good, solid, functional starter, that's worth merit. And maybe it doesn't bring you to Super Bowls, but you can be a good team. You can be a solid team. I think Pickett kind of falls in that stratosphere. of Maybe he can be a Mac Jones type player. Maybe he can be a Derek Carr type player. Uh, I think that's kind of who Kenny Pickett's game reminds me of or his his physical traits and, and what he could possess at the next level. If we go back to the breakdowns in terms of what consists of a tier two quarterback. So for for us, we think it's a round two to round three selection in the NFL draft. We think they could become a starter either sometime late during their rookie season or by year two. So a team might not look at them as a, as the franchise quarterback and hoping that he's their guy for the next 10 years. But I think a team that drafts these. The, these quarterbacks in this tier does think they have a legitimate chance to become a starter sooner rather than later, or they're going to get an opportunity to. Now I know round two to round three is a pretty big range. If a, if a team takes a guy in the early portion of round two or the middle of portion of round two, he's going to get a lot more of a leash to be that starter at some point than a guy taking the back end of round three. So I, I do think, you know, we could almost even, you know, say this is round two to early round three. I think that's probably a better scenario. And tier three does include late round three, which I think is, is is a better way to kind of differentiate it a little bit. So, in terms of dynasty rookie drafts, uh, we think that these are this is a guy who should be taken in the mid to late. Uh portion of your dynasty rookie drafts in one quarterback leagues and in dynasty rookie drafts uh that are super flex or two quarterbacks, we think they could be a round two type guy or an early round three guy again depending on uh, you know, how many starters you have like that. But we think this is a guy who's got starter potential. Worst case scenario, if he doesn't make it as a starter, he has a he's a high end backup or a spot starter, a player who can win with but lacks consistency. But I do believe that a lot of the teams who take a guy in the early portion of round two does believe that they have starter potential and upside, uh, and as a fallback, okay, a high-end backup. But I don't think many teams in the NFL are taking a guy in round two and thinking that they don't have a legitimate chance to be a starting quarterback down the line for them. So my tier two is very interesting because there's a couple guys in tier two that I wouldn't be stunned to see them push their way into the round one mix. And maybe they could even push their way into my tier one before this is all said and done. For me, it's Sam Howell out of UNC. Desmond Ritter out of Cincinnati and Carson Strong out of Nevada. That's how I have it ranked within my tiers as well. Howell, Ritter, Strong make up my tier two. I think all of those guys deserve to go in round two. So I kind of think round two is 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 kind of the ticket where I think these teams still think they can begin their future starting quarterback. And I think Howell, Ritter, and Strong all have that capabilities to be starting quarterbacks at the next level. I'm most intrigued with Howell and Ritter because they have an athletic component to their game. We saw Howell run a lot of RPOs. He struggled this year with all his top running backs and wide receivers go to the NFL, but he's got the ability to to do RPOs, move around the pocket, throw on the run. He's got a really good – he might be the best vertical ball placement, uh, vertical – Thrower in this draft. He's got really good arm talent, not on a level of Malik Willis, but he can make every NFL pro. It, it, it's good to very good. He's got movement and athletic ability and traits like that. He's just got to get a little bit more consistent at times. His accuracy and his ball placement uh, lacked that consistency that I think a team wants to look for. And this year he struggled a little bit without his top guys. So I, I think Howell is the guy who intrigues me the most from this group, but I really am a fan of Desmond Ritter as well. So for me, they're really kind of like within that tier, they're almost a tier of itself for me. Uh, If strong was to fall to the third round, I wouldn't be stunned. I still think he kind of squeezes into somewhere into the late portion of round two, but I think Howell and Ritter have a real chance to go the first five to 10 picks on in round two. And I wouldn't be stunned to see one of them push their way into the back end of round one as well. Ritter, same thing, got the athleticism, got the mobility, can make every NFL row, uh For him, it's consistency as well. And I've been saying for a long time that I think Ritter is very much like Colin Kaepernick was when he came out of Nevada and was taken in the early portion of round two. I've said many times on air that I think Sam Howell has a lot of similar traits to Baker Mayfield. And I know Baker Mayfield was the first pick in the draft, but I don't think he would be right now. I think the landscape of how the NFL used quarterbacks has already started to change. And I think Baker Mayfield really rode the wave and momentum of how well he performed that last year at college that, you know, that we see right now that is very suspect of whether or not Baker Mayfield is, is going to be a long-term franchise quarterback for the Browns. And, you know, if, if he's not, does he get another chance immediately to be a starter? I'm not sure. I I think there's a lot of question marks, but I, but I do think Howell reminds me a lot in terms of he can make every pro he's got. I think howell has got more athleticism than Mayfield, but consistency is something that we need to see more of. And Ritter has a lot of the traits too. He's a little bit of an older quarterback prospect, uh, struggled obviously against Alabama in that big game, but he has a very good track record and resume in terms of his collegiate career. So I think a team's going to be intrigued by that, especially if they maybe pass on a quarterback in round one, especially if they're at the top of the draft, but then come back early round two, a team could potentially be interested in he, him or a team that doesn't want to invest in round one in a quarterback. I think the Falcons could be interested in a guy like Rader maybe on round two. Tier three, if we kind of go through the breakdown of what makes up a tier three quarterback for us, that is a guy who we think is a round four to round six selection. So it could be early day three, could be a little bit later into date three. We think they're a developmental quarterback that may have a chance to start in a few years down the line, but most likely would develop into a backup or third string quarterback. I think teams that Invest in a quarterback in that four to six range, are hoping that you know if they hit, they become a, a functional backup quarterback. I think some of them will start off as third string quarterbacks. Obviously, they have a skill set that warrants being drafted, but I don't think any team drafting a quarterback in round four for six four through six is thinking that they're going to be their future starting quarterback. So they might have the traits. And certain traits that say, oh, that that is a guy who could start in the league, but they either lack consistency or, or they're missing something that warrants them being selected higher and looked at as a potential future starting quarterback down the line. In terms of rookie drafts for fantasy, if you're talking one quarterback leagues, these guys are not probably drafted. They're probably watch list type guys. If you're talking super flex or two quarterback leagues, maybe these guys go late. In the in the dynasty rookie drafts, or maybe put on a taxi squad or something like that. In terms of who makes up my tier three, two names on it. It's Bailey Zap out of Western Kentucky and Caleb Ellaby out of Western Michigan. I think Zap is the one that intrigues me the most of those guys. I think Zap has a chance to be a round four, round five guy. I think is more of a round five, round six guy. But here's the thing. I, I, I think Zap can become a functional backup quarterback in the next level, especially for teams that run West Coast style offenses. I think that is what he is conducive to. If you're a team that wants to push the ball vertically down the field into tight windows, that is not going to be Bailey Zap at the next level. That's just not his game. He doesn't have the arm talent to do it, but he's accurate in the short to intermediate range. He gets the ball out quickly. So I think he has the capabilities to maybe go somewhere in that round four, round five mix and maybe work his way into a functional backup quarterback at the next level. I think Ellaby, you know, the traits are definitely interesting. I think he's a little bit further below zap in terms of, you know, how I feel in terms of his ability to become a functional backup quarterback, but I think he's got the skill set and some traits that definitely warrant consideration in that range in that round four to six. So those are my first three tiers is eight guys there. Those are the eight guys I feel pretty confident are going to be drafted. I think after that, we probably see 10 maybe get drafted, but I do think it's very up in the air about the other ones. If we talk about the breakdown here at Saturday, Sunday, we classify tier four for the quarterbacks as a late round selection or a UDFA, uh free agent, undrafted free agent, priority free agent after the NFL draft, uh, not on any rosters for dynasty rookie drafts. We think their practice squad or third string quarterbacks, uh, it also can represent limited exposure so far to their film and initial impressions think that they are guys who are going to struggle to make an NFL roster. I don't think a team, if they draft a quarterback in round seven or as a priority free agent is even looking at them. It's just, a. it's just, taking a dart, right? It's a dart throw. And maybe you come across something and maybe he develops into a backup quarterback. Maybe he's got one trait that's really intriguing, whether it's athleticism, whether it's arm talent, whether you know it's something, right? One characteristic, one trait that's intriguing to a team, invest in them in round seven or as a priority free agent. And you hope maybe down the line, they could become a backup quarterback, but they probably start their career for a couple of years on the practice squad and/or as a third stringer on the NFL roster. For me, the rest of the quarterbacks in this draft class belong in that setup, and that is a lot of names here that that I'm going to run down right here. So for me, this group of guys. Starts with Jack Hone of Notre Dame. Talked about him a little bit, you know, down at the Shrine Bowl last week. He was the best quarterback down at the Shrine Bowl. Uh, Brock Purdy out of Iowa State. Dustin Crum out of Kent State. All three of them were down at the Shrine Bowl. And the next guy for me, uh, De'Ara King out of Miami. Those are the first four guys in my tier four. Next up is Dorian Thompson Robinson out of UCLA. EJ Perry out of Brown. Tanner Morgan out of Minnesota. Sean Clifford out of Penn State. Anthony Russo out of Michigan State and then uh, rounding it out with Jake Bentley and Mackenzie Milton. From this tier, guys who I think maybe have a chance to get drafted. We'll, we'll we'll kind of start with that. I think Cohn could get potentially drafted late round six or round seven. You know, he has good arm talent. He can play from within the pocket, obviously comes from a big program, a lot of experience. So I think I could see Cohn maybe being drafted to be a third-string quarterback, see if he can develop him into a backup. Brock Purdy, again, I'll continue to say it wasn't that long ago that we thought he was ticketed for round two, round three, and one of the top quarterback prospects when he came out. Now I think he's definitely a round seven or priority free agent. There's still some things about Purdy I like, his ability to play off structure. I think he throws a good touch and anticipation. But the overall arm talent, the accuracy, the consistency have really struggled down the you know final portion of his collegiate career. Uh, Dustin Crum and Eric King, I think, and Dorian Thompson Robinson, I'll throw up a read him, could get drafted based on their package of athleticism. I think Eric King is probably ticketed for a different position at the next level. My guess is a uh, wide receiver or some type of, you know, offensive weapon. I think Dustin Crum, you know, combined his athleticism uh, with his production at Kent state. I think he has a chance to be drafted late, but I think we saw uh, at the shrine bowl that he lacks, you know, the traits that you look for, for an NFL quarterback, the athleticism is the best thing that he has going for him and his ability to play off structure a little bit. So I think he could be a guy that maybe a team looks at in round seven, Uh Dorian Thompson Robinson, you know, former very high recruit, uh athletic profile. He could be another guy that I think a team could be intrigued with with the package there as a as a late round pick. I think guys like EJ Perry, Tanner Morgan, Sean Clifford, and the rest of that group, they're all taking different priority free agents. Some of those guys look like at camp invites, some of them we might not hear from. Again, they bounce around college a lot, guys like Anthony Russo, Jake Bentley, Mackenzie Milton. I'm not sure we even see those guys, you know, in an NFL training camp. But I do think we'll see. Most of the other guys I talked about: Morgan, Clifford, Perry, Thompson, Robinson, King, Crum, Purdy, and Cohn. In some capacity, I would say Cone is the one that probably has the best chance to maybe push his way up a little bit. Maybe he can push his way into late round five or round six. So, if there was going to be somebody from that fourth tier to make a tier jump uh, into the third tier, I think that would be. I think that would be Cohn. Uh, if we're working our way backwards in tier three, I don't see enough upside because of the lack of arm talent for Bailey Zap. I do not see the ability for him to jump tiers and get into that Howell Ritter strong tier for me. I think Zapp is locked in with Ellaby in that tier three group. If we look, talk about the tier two guys, Howell and Ritter already talked about and strong Howell and Ritter would be the two guys that I could see pushing their way into the late round one mix. So I think they have a chance to potentially be uh, guys that are looked at as late round one quarterbacks. And if they go late round one, that's going to push up their value in dynasty rookie drafts. And that's also then going to push their value up when it comes to Uh, how people perceive them in terms of dynasty rookie drafts as well. So I think those would be the guys that could potentially jump up from tier two to tier one. And then obviously I talked about the top tier uh, Corral, Willis Pickett talked a little bit about, I think Pickett's locked in to be third in that tier, but Corral and Willis are two guys uh, who I think could vie for that top spot in my rankings. So there it is, guys, kind of my my quarterback tiers in terms of where I see them going based on their film, based on their NFL draft projection, a little bit of a dynasty fantasy spin to it as well. I think the if we do a couple of superlatives here, uh, I think Malik Willis has the highest ceiling I think the natural raw physical tools that he possesses, the athleticism and the upside, I think is, his team is going to fall in love with Malik Willis. And I mentioned it. I know he doesn't have the size of a Josh Allen, but when you talk about the highs and the lows, when you talk about the concerns about the accuracy and the ball placement, but then talk about the athleticism and the arm talent. I think that's kind of like the spectrum we're talking about here, right? And I think a team is going to fall in love with the traits and fall in love with the upside that I think we're going to see Malik Willis go higher than maybe we think. I still think he's got a real chance to be the first quarterback taken off the board. Uh, And and I think we're going to see him and Corral, for me, kind of vie for that number one spot. And I could see myself landing on Willis because of the upside that he possesses, but I do like Corral a lot as well. If we're talking most pro ready, I think that's Kenny Pickett, and I would say followed by Kenny Pickett. I would say, you know, I think it's kind of a toss up between Corral, Sam Howell, and Desmond Ritter for me in in terms of pro ready. But I would say Kenny Pickett, the age, the experience, the game started, the style of offense that he ran. I think he's most ready to take the reins from the first day uh, he sets foot into. You know, an NFL, you know, rookie mini camp, training camp, whatever you want to call it. I think he'd be the guy that could take over and immediately beat the starter. Uh, best arm talent, you know, I think that would also go to Malik Willis. Uh, best athleticism would go to Malik Willis, but I do think there's other guys like Desmond Ritter uh, who. While he's not on the level of Malik Willis, I think the athleticism that Desmond Ritter and even Matt Corral show is very intriguing in terms of what they offer and bring to the table. So, those are just a couple of things in terms of uh, athleticism and arm talent and ceiling and most pro ready. If we're talking about accuracy, I would kind of say I think Pickett uh would would kind of be the guy in terms of accuracy and ball placement. Him and Corral, I think, would be the two guys uh that I would kind of land on in terms of accuracy and ball placement. Uh you know, so those are a couple of different traits that I that I look for in terms of the different quarterback prospects. But I overall I think it's an interesting quarterback year. We don't have the Trevor Lawrence and you know Justin Fields and Trey Lance and even the Zach Wilsons of last year. And you can make the case that if all of these quarterbacks were morphed into the draft class last year, I'd probably be starting with Corral and Willis after the first four guys last year. So I probably would have had Lawrence and Fields and Lance and Wilson. And then I would have kind of got into the corral, the Willis, the Pickett, and Mac Jones would have kind of been there uh, for me right around where I had Kenny Pickett. So it's not as good of a class. And and these guys are going to probably get pushed up a little bit higher than they should because we know that they're the lack of good quarterbacks in the NFL and teams are always looking. And a lot of teams need upgrades at the quarterback position. And but the truth of the reality is, compared to last year, it is a very lackluster class. So, you know, that's going to take into it. I will say, though, I think Tier 2, Howell, Ritter, Strong, is a lot more intriguing than what I thought of, like, the Tier 2 guys last year, like the Kyle Trasks of the world. So I think Howell, Ritter, Strong have the a real chance to be starters. I, mean, I never really kind of felt that way too much about Trask. I think Howell and Ritter – to me are far superior prospects than where I graded out Kyle Trask last year. I think Carson Strong, Kyle Trask, they are a little bit similar in terms of where I would have kind of value it, them. But for me, Howell and Ritter would have been clearly above, uh, you know, Kyle Trask, Kellen Mond, those guys last year, Uh, you know, so while the top, Last year is better than this year. I do think the Tier 2, this year I'm much more intrigued with the Tier 2 guys than I was last year, uh, you know, and then Tier 3 last year, I had Kellen Mond and Davis Mills. Obviously, that was more intrigue uh, than than the guys this year, uh, like Ella B and, and Zappe. you know, who I don't think have, you know, I, I think it would even be – tough for Zappi to be a universal backup quarterback. I think it's the right scheme, right system for him to be a backup quarterback at the next level. So there it is, guys. All my thoughts currently on the quarterback position. Obviously, there'll be a lot more discussion on the quarterback position, whether it's previewing the combine, talking after the combine, Uh, when I get Jeff back on air, I know he's going to have thoughts on the quarterbacks in this class. I know he's grinding some film and and catching up on these prospects. And then obviously the host of guests that we will have, I will pick their brain, find out who they prefer out of Pickett and Willis and Corral. Do they like Howell more than any of those guys? I think that's going to be a a thing that some people do or Ritter. So I'm looking forward to, you know the guys that we've had on over the years the Sig Blooms the Matt Waldman's you know so many other great guests that we have on I'm really excited when we get to a little bit further into the pre-draft process to have these guests on with me to talk through these prospects to hear their thoughts on it to pick their brain you know on what they're seeing uh and sometimes that sends me back to the film you know so many of these great guests that we have on I really respect their work and, and know the amount of time and effort they put into it and sometimes picking up things from them, you know, leads me to go back to the film to to watch more and look for something that maybe they kind of led me on to. So If you're enjoying the content, guys, I can't ask enough. Please get over to the website. SS football is the easiest and fastest way to get over to the website. Check out the premium content for $9.99. You get access to all of our premium content. You get the scouting notebook, which is completely now like an NFL draft offensive guide. I have divided up all the tabs, guys who declared, guys who didn't. We total is probably close to 100 prospects in their strengths developmental areas, functional areas, NFL draft projection, how they win, scheme fit, fantasy spin. You get all that in the scouting notebook. If I need to add anybody as we get closer to the combine or after the combine, I will. Uh, at this point, I really focus on guys who I think could be top four round picks. So if there's a guy who I think is going to be around five, round six pick at this point, I probably won't add him to the scouting notebook. My thoughts on those guys will also be in the NFL draft projections notebook, but you get the scouting notebook, you get the rankings notebook. The rankings notebook is full of information. It's got my draft rankings. It's got these designated tiers and, and my tiered rankings. It's going to, it'll have my uh, 2022 dynasty rookie rankings. I'm still updating my 2021 dynasty rookie rankings in terms of, as they enter into their second uh, NFL season. And as we enter the off season, that's a great resource for your dynasty leagues. Uh, my Devi rankings. And then it has our positional dynasty rankings, which I've been updated since the season ended as well. And I know, uh, Uh, Jeff is working on that as well. You get those two notebooks immediately, and then in April, you get the draft projections notebook, which, as Matt always calls it, the TV guide you need for draft weekend. It will have tabs for every position, offense and defense, 300 to 400 players, a snapshot of how they win, some developmental areas, all their combine measurements, and ranked in order based on everything I'm hearing, reading, and listening in terms of how I think it's going to go on draft weekend in order of how they think they're going to come off the board. I also have a tab for projecting the first 32 picks, uh, the first three rounds picks, and then my guests are trying to project every pick that gets taken in the NFL draft. We've had a lot of success with our projections notebook. A lot of people really find it very useful leading up to the draft and also on draft weekend and after the draft as well during the UDFA signing periods as well well. You get all of it for $9.99. If you've never checked it out, but you've been a long-time listener, please consider checking it out. It really is the lifeblood of what we do here. Without those purchases and without those sales, we would not be able to continue to do what we do here at Saturday to Sunday. Everything we get goes right back into the brand, into the product, getting us the subscriptions that we need, the services that we need, that we can continue to do what we do here at Saturday Sunday. If you've purchased it in the past and you haven't yet this year, please consider doing that as well. If you've already purchased it, please thank you so much. Uh, if you have any questions uh, about what you get or anything that you see in the notebooks, please reach out to me on Twitter and I'll gladly uh, engage with you back and so, on behalf of Matt and Jeff, on behalf of our sound tech engineer, David Nakano, and myself, thank you for joining us. I look forward to next time taking you from Saturday to Sunday.